1: In 10 months' time, Carol Heller went to the hospital 31 times, complaining of various ailments that her doctors thought were all in her head. That is, until she died. This is how a forensic toxicologist and a middle-aged woman in a cheerleader's outfit cracked the only known case of its kind in the history of forensic science. Carol Heller moved to the small town of Perry, Oklahoma, to be closer to her family. With only 5,000 residents and almost no violent crime, Perry seemed like a good place to start over. Carol was fighting a lifelong battle with manic depression, also known as bipolar disorder. Although Carol became active in the local church and developed a circle of friends, it wasn't enough.
2: There are a lot of people who don't feel fulfilled unless they have a, a spouse. They they want someone in their life. And she wanted a man in her life.
1: So Carol decided to place a personal ad in a local Christian newspaper.
3: She was looking for a Christian male person who could take charge of uh, household uh, finances and... Uh, Dennis uh, was the one that answered the ad.
1: Dennis Heller was a 51-year-old handyman. When the two started dating, Carol's family made sure Dennis was aware of her past.
3: My parents talked to him about it, so he was aware that she had had some uh, uh, mental health problems.
1: Within a year, Carol and Dennis were married. And it wasn't long. Before some of Carol's old demons resurfaced,
4: she'd wander away from her house, and and we would go find her and take her back home. Sometimes she wound up in the emergency room at the hospital. Sometimes she was taken to a mental health facility uh, for evaluation. They would try to get get her on medications.
3: And my dad asked her one time, "said Carol, have you ever thought about killing yourself?" And she says, "Well." Yes. She said, I have thought about it before.
1: Doctors prescribe lithium, a common medication for bipolar disorder.
3: Like maybe a lot of people with the bipolar, she uh, had a lot of manic phases. But as far as being real depressed, she, uh, she handled that pretty good.
1: The medication caused nausea, drowsiness, and slurred speech. Her doctors reduced her dosage of lithium, but her symptoms persisted. To get relief, Carol sought the advice of other doctors, but none were able to help her.
2: She had been in Perry, Stillwater, uh, Ponca, Oklahoma City, and uh, Denver, Colorado hospitals in those ten months. I think the doctors and nurses who treated her tended to tune her out after a while.
5: She'd get to the hospital, and they'd stabilize her, and they'd just determine that they either had solved the problem or couldn't figure out what the problem was, and they'd send her home. And a month later, it would start again, and it would happen again.
1: Carol's health problems were also causing strains in her new marriage.
3: When I talked to Carol, she was just so down and out. She said, I think Dennis is getting disgusted with me. She said, I have been sick the whole time we have been married.
1: Carol was convinced that it was the lithium that was causing these symptoms. So against doctor's orders, she stopped taking the medication altogether. That's when her problems really started. One Sunday, about a year after her marriage, Carol Heller was uncharacteristically absent from church. Her husband Dennis told the congregation that Carol's condition had taken a turn for the worse. Later that night, Dennis called for an ambulance. Carol was in a coma, so they transported her by helicopter to a larger hospital in Oklahoma City, some 60 miles away.
3: About an hour later, I got a phone call, and when the phone rang, I knew what it was. I knew that, it, that she had died.
1: Carol had never regained consciousness. Doctors believe
6: Carol died of natural causes. The cause of death was congestive heart failure. That's what they had believed that she had died from. The medical
1: examiner was overwhelmed with cases from the Oklahoma City bombing, which had happened just six weeks earlier. Many of the 168 victims of that blast still were unidentified. So no autopsy was performed on Carol Heller. In accordance with her wishes, Carol's body was cremated.
3: That was her wish, so my dad said there was no sense in embalming her.
1: In a town as small as Perry, news of Carol's death spread quickly. So did word of her husband's insensitivity.
4: Paramedics. When the ambulance crew arrived at his home, Dennis was on the couch on the telephone. When they walked in, he did not acknowledge them, nor would he speak to them. They asked him what room she was in. He did not respond. And so they went looking through their apartment and found Carol unconscious, in a coma, on the bed.
1: And there was another peculiar incident at Carol's funeral service.
3: Dennis was sitting back in behind us about four rows or so. And uh, of course, we got reports that he had been uh, dozing off to sleep during the memorial service.
1: Curious about the situation, Detective Farrow went to the Heller's apartment, where the building manager told him an even more bizarre story. The day before Carol's death, she saw huge flames coming from the outdoor grill behind the couple's apartment.
6: She thought at first he was cooking something. But then uh, after he had went back in, she had looked into the grill, and there was nothing in there but a bunch of burnt pieces of paper. So she really wasn't sure what he was doing out there. but uh, And this was all prior to Carol's death.
1: And later that same night, the apartment manager saw Dennis carrying boxes and boxes of trash to the dumpster. Farrell discovered those boxes were filled with Carol's personal
6: items. I found a Bible that belonged to Carol was a gift from her father, and it it was very old, so you could tell it was an heirloom. There was documents, there was letters. Oh, God, there's just, I mean, just basic stuff that you would find in someone's, uh, you know, drawers, you know, like dresser drawers and stuff that had been tossed in
5: there.
1: But why would Dennis dispose of Carol's belongings on the day before she died? In the Heller's apartment, investigators found something odd in the kitchen pantry, a
6: container of antifreeze. I've never known anyone to keep antifreeze in a kitchen. A garage, yes, but not a kitchen. But according to Dennis, it was
1: Carol's idea to keep the antifreeze in the kitchen.
4: He said that she had drank a half a gallon of antifreeze back in November, and that he had bought a new gallon of antifreeze, and half of it was gone. So he thought that uh, she might have drank it again.
1: Corroborating this unusual story was the fact that Dennis told Carol's sisters the same thing shortly before her death.
3: He said, I found some antifreeze in Carol's closet and some of it's gone. You know, it just really flew all over me. Why would somebody mention something like that?
1: Yet on the night Carol died, doctors found absolutely no sign of ethylene glycol in her system, which is the primary ingredient of antifreeze. If investigators suspected foul play, they had no way to prove it since there had been no autopsy and Carol's body had already been cremated.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project,
1: homicide detective David Farrow joined forces with his colleague, Buzz Busby, to look into the suspicious death of 52-year-old Carol Heller. Almost everyone they talked to told stories about Dennis Heller's unusual behavior, both before and after Carol's death. To get to the bottom of the mystery, Busby and Farrow sifted through 4,000 pages of Carol Heller's medical records. To organize the materials, they used a spare courtroom and sorted the records by month. Each chair represented a different month in Carol's life. When all the records were arranged, the chair representing March of 1995 was empty. This was just three months before her death.
4: We can understand that. Since we hadn't had a chance to go through the records and read all of them yet, Why would there not be records when there was records for every other month?
1: They soon discovered a possible explanation. In March of 1995, Dennis Heller was in jail in Oklahoma City for shoplifting. And a little deeper in Carol's medical records, investigators found another clue. Shortly before her death, Carol went to a hospital 50 miles away in Ponca City, complaining of slurred speech and confusion. Dr. Danny Cassidy treated Carol that day and found evidence that the acid levels in Carol's blood were elevated, a condition known as metabolic acidosis.
4: When he saw the elevated metabolic acidosis levels, he realized that there was only a couple of things that would cause that.
1: In response, Dr. Cassidy ordered more tests. I was testing for other unusual forms of acidosis, things like uh, uh, methanol, or, or uh, I believe it's wood alcohol that is highly toxic. Those gas chromatography tests found ethylene glycol in Carol's system, six milligrams per deciliter. Sadly, Carol was already dead by the time her personal physician got the results. Now, there was an even bigger question. How did the ethylene glycol get into Carol's system? Investigators had no way of knowing whether Carol ingested it intentionally in a crude suicide attempt, or whether her husband had poisoned her. To find out, Investigators look for an expert in antifreeze poisoning. Noted toxicologist Dr. Alphonse Poklas is one of the world's foremost authorities on ethylene glycol. He reviewed Carol Heller's medical records and immediately noticed a discrepancy. Carol told doctors she had slurred speech, confusion, a lack of coordination, nausea, and dehydration. Her doctors attributed this to lithium, but the symptoms of ethylene glycol poisoning were virtually identical.
6: This is almost the Greek tragedy. You read the medical records. The sicker she gets, the more she becomes convinced the medications the physicians are giving her are making her ill. The more she complains about it, the more the physicians think that she's becoming paranoid.
1: The six milligrams of ethylene glycol found in Carroll's system was about one-third the lethal dose. Dr. Poklus says this amount is consistent with slow poisoning, not suicide.
6: That's a strange way to commit suicide. I don't know anybody that's going to poison themselves with ethylene glycol, arsenic, or anything, and make themselves repeatedly ill for nine or 10 months to kill themselves. But there was no
1: scientific evidence to prove Dr. Polkless' hypothesis. There had been no autopsy. Carol's body had been cremated, and there was no ethylene glycol in her blood the night she died. It appeared that if Dennis Heller had poisoned his wife with antifreeze, he was going to get away with it. Investigators in Perry, Oklahoma faced a dilemma. Gas chromatography found six milligrams of ethylene glycol in Carol Heller's system just a few weeks before she died.
4: At least on 13 different occasions, Dennis Heller would talk to people about antifreeze and the effects it would have on you if you drank it. One of the common things he would say, and it seemed like this was always out of context. And I'm not sure what context discussing antifreeze poisoning would be appropriate. But people would say, we were talking, and Dennis just came up with a statement. Did you know that one teaspoon of antifreeze taken every day for 10 days will kill you?
1: So investigators tried a different tack. They knew that Dennis Heller spent quite a bit of time in Oklahoma City, about 60 miles away. He had a girlfriend there for most of the time he was married. Her name, was Karen Dawson, and she was more than willing to talk to police.
5: After Carol died, the girlfriend kind of put it all together and was very willing to work with us, to assist us in any way she could. He had actually taken Carol's wedding rings down to Karen to have her try them on. This was
6: prior to her death. Had Karen to try these things on to see how they fit, because they would soon be hers, according to Dennis. Karen told police
1: that Dennis was attracted to girls wearing cheerleaders' outfits, and he bought one in a secondhand store.
4: It's a lemon yellow 1960s cheerleading outfit with pleats that he gave to her that he had bought for Carol to wear at 53 years old.
1: Investigators convinced Karen to wear that cheerleaders' outfit on the couple's next date, along with a hidden microphone. The two went to a drive-in restaurant. Undercover officers listened from a van across the street. Karen began by telling Dennis that if they were to have any kind of a life together, Dennis would have to be completely honest with her. Then Karen asked Dennis if he had anything to do with his wife's death.
4: I put it in her food. Myself and Detective Farrell were listening on a receiving device.
5: He even described how he'd done it with an eyedropper, et cetera.
2: He had bragged to her that he was uh, kind of proud that he had managed to do this and fool everyone.
4: That was a huge moment. That was a confession.
1: Surprisingly, when investigators arrested Dennis Heller, he wasn't at all concerned.
2: He did say to the investigators that it only takes one person on a jury with reasonable doubt and, Slow poisoning is hard to prove.
5: Dennis Heller thought he had committed the perfect murder. He thought he had covered his tracks medically. But there was one thing he hadn't counted on.
1: Although there hadn't been an autopsy on Carol due to the Oklahoma City bombing, the medical examiner took some tissue samples for analysis. When tested, He found calcium oxalate crystals in her brain and kidney samples. Prolonged exposure to ethylene glycol can cause calcium oxalate crystals to form, causing renal failure and death.
6: They were getting clogged up. She probably got a pretty good dose two days before she died, from what we know.
3: He's a cold-hearted killer, is what he is. And anyone who can sit around and see somebody suffer, I couldn't even stand to see an animal suffer all that time, much less your spouse.
5: But what was his motive? Dennis was of even fewer means than than Carol. She had an apartment. She had a car. She had a J.C. Penney's life insurance policy, or at least Dennis believed that she did. He wanted what she had, and he wanted her out of the way.
1: When confronted with this forensic evidence, Dennis Heller pled guilty to manslaughter. In return, he was sentenced to life in prison. Had it not been for investigators' persistence, one doctor's suspicions, and the cheerleader's outfit, Dennis Heller
5: might have gotten away with murder. In all those visits to doctors, none of them had ever discovered, detected the antifreeze poison in her system. And that's one of the most fascinating things about the case, from my perspective, is that there is a relatively simple test that will detect it.
1: Carol's family credits forensic science for bringing Dennis Heller to justice.
3: I would like to say to the doctor who finally figured out what was going on, thank you very much from the whole family from the bottom of our hearts. And I hope that it saves some lives. And I hope that this program will save more lives and people can be tipped off to symptoms that uh, what is happening.
6: I don't think that there's anything that we can't find or do when we use forensics. And uh, anyone who wants to go out here and commit a crime, you you know, you're going to leave something, you're going to say something, we're going to find it one way or the other by using forensics.